know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. In the heart of a champion. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. The Great Sun Tzu. Yes. Now, I didn't just quote Sun Tzu in The Art of War because it's a cool thing to do when you're talking about spiritual warfare. I've actually been going through that book again for the purpose of thinking about spiritual conflict and the applications to dive back into this topic of spiritual warfare. It's actually a very positive thing when we understand it because as we were just kind of alluding to, I guess before we hit record, it's not a topic... As we said last time, that people hear a lot about, mm-hmm. know a lot about. Yeah. And I think both of you alluded to it last time or spoke to it last time. Uh, I think one of the, the great points of that discussion was seeing spiritual warfare in the big picture, God versus Satan and the battle of history and all that. But to understand its application to us personally is very important. So last time, by way of kind of getting things going again, we discussed... Uh, on the topic of our awareness of spiritual warfare, and we talked about the enemy, our adversary. Uh, we talked about the enemy tactics of accusation and condemnation and diversion and temptation and deception, and brought into all of this that the battlefield is the mind. At least, I guess it starts in the mind. That's where the uh, it sort of branches out you know, to the circumstances and what's going on around us. So with that understanding, we want to start today with the next part of this discussion, and that is authority in spiritual warfare. More, more specifically, what is known as kingdom authority. I want to begin with Mark chapter 1. As I said last time, there's a great outline of all these spiritual warfare topics that we find in Mark chapter 1. There's a section, there's an event that happens where Jesus comes into uh, Capernaum and he's in the synagogue. He goes to teach in the synagogue. And the word authority is found twice here in this passage. So let me, let me read this, these few verses and watch how, or, and look for and listen for how authority is used when it comes to spiritual warfare. And they went into Capernaum, verse 21, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, 
What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So having read that, let me just turn it over to you now uh, to talk through this. Where and what authority is being exercised there? Where do you see it? How does it play out here? You begin to see some of that, like we talked about last week, the the victory in the in the war, but not necessarily the victory of the individual battles that you see. Even even the spirit world understands the place and the preeminence of of Jesus and the role that he has. And you know, I think we've we've touched on this in other recording venues before that there was very there was probably a a, a mocking tone that was being used by this uh, demon possessed individual. But either way, when the chips were down, so to speak. Uh, that demon knew his place, and when Jesus exercised his power and his authority, uh, there there was no contest here in the fight. So this was this was an individual battle. But then you've got all of these spectators that are seeing. Uh, I mean, we've we've never seen anybody operate like this before. Nobody has been able to come in and just with a simple sentence drive out a, a demon spirit before. I mean, that's that is power. That is authority. He doesn't have to perform a seance or a, or a special rites and rituals and all that kind of stuff. He just speaks and things get done. And, and I think that's the that's the impact of the authority of Christ and and the the power that He offers. So you have God showing authority over His creation, same way He did when He told the 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 winds uh, the seas to be the storm to to cease. He's commanding the demon to come out, but the way it also relates today and it shows today is you have the weakness of man. And one thing where a lot of people get nervous is when you start talking about demonized people. Because when we say this term demon possession, what do a lot of Christians do? They wash their hands and say, I ain't got to worry about that. I don't have there's no way I could ever be demon-possessed. You know, a, a demon and the Holy Spirit can't be at the same place at the same time, so I don't have anything to worry about, which I don't know where that's in the Bible because God's everywhere, right? But we do know we cannot be possessed. Satan cannot touch our soul. However, a Christian can be demon-oppressed. We can... Demons can find our weaknesses. They can come. Can I so, offer even a word on that that I think is relatable, more relatable? Yeah, sure. Just influenced. Influenced, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you have p- possession, you have oppression, you have influence, you have all this going on with these demonic powers, and then you have the Lord Jesus who just speaks, and that demon has to listen to every word he says and leave mm-hmm. immediately. I mean, there's no, like you were saying, easy target. There's no seance. There's no mighty great thing. He just says, hey, get out of them, and it's over. You've introduced the aspect of authority in this confrontation that happens in the synagogue. It is the word of Jesus, his speaking, his authority that overcomes this unclean spirit. Now, I want to I bring out a couple of ways that authority is displayed here. But sticking with the one that caught your attention first, which makes sense, the unclean spirit speaking out. Let's just let's make that relative. We read this, and we, our mind goes to, as you said, demon possession, 
here's a man that's just full of the devil. But if you just step back and look at this scene and just read it and imagine it in your mind, here is a man that stands up and with anger, frustration, whatever, having a bad day, he just stands up and interrupts the teaching of Jesus and says, who do you think you are coming in here saying all this stuff? Now, we don't recognize that in day-to-day life as an evil spirit. Right. And is it possible that even a believer, now this is, this is Old Testament economy here, this is New Testament, but is it possible that even a believer can be so influenced by an evil spirit that they would stand up in the middle of a, a, a church service or a, a Bible study and say, you don't even know what you're talking about. Who do you think you are? And, and with the mocking term, oh, yeah, you think you're somebody, don't you? You're, and, yes, obviously the evil spirit knows who the, the, the king of kings is. But the man didn't know. Right. So it, there's like this, this mixture of confusion and anger and the evil spirit speaking and the man being used by that. I hope that makes it a little more understandable that this is something that we deal with on a regular basis in our life. And it's not only just in the synagogue or the church house where this happens. This happens, men, in your house, sure. with with your in in between your relationships with your wife, your children. It can happen on the job with people that are acting a fool, as they say. So Jesus, where we see authority here, is he commands with authority. He takes charge of the situation. Now we're gonna we're gonna make application of all this, but there is another way in which you see authority used, and. and Back up in verse 22. Oh, his, um, yeah, the teaching. And the way they in were which astonished he at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's very important to acknowledge that part of spiritual warfare. Sort of that positive side of the coin, if you will. And, not to, and if you think about how this unfolds, it's his teaching with authority that stirs up this evil spirit, calls him out. Mm-hmm. And then he is able to command with authority. So just let's let's talk about a couple of terms. Let me let me read Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Get this aspect of it going here. So there's there's two different words that I think it's important for us to bring out in this discussion. In Luke 9 it says, "Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases." Here Jesus is now transferring to these men, his disciples, power and authority. So let's let's talk about these two words a minute. And you'll see, of course, sometimes in Scripture they're interchangeable. But in the Greek word, there's something very important for us to understand. The word authority used in Mark chapter 1, and the word authority here, is the word exousia. It is literally kingdom authority. Its root word is the word that means lawful right. It it has a legal aspect to it, to bestow the right. The word power here is the word dunamis, and it means the, the strength, the ability to do something. So Jesus gives them power, strength, and ability, but he not only gives them the power, he gives them the legal authority to use it. And that is critical in terms of understanding spiritual warfare, that through Jesus, we are given authority to use the power to wage this warfare. It highlights and it intensifies 
now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Yeah, very it, good. Very it's, good. It's more than just we're like public representatives of Christ, but we literally have been empowered by him and granted him the legal right, like you were saying, the legal rights and responsibilities. And so when we act in accordance to his will and in his mission, we're acting on his behalf. We are we are acting just as if he was here in body and spirit performing it. We we have that exact same standing and and so as we are combating in this spiritual warfare, that's the access that we have. Yeah, because it's it's also conditional. I gotta be careful using that word obviously. No, you're right. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but it no, is bring ex- it on. Bring it, it on. It is extremely conditional. Because, first of all, we've been given the authority to go out and preach the the, the gospel to the world because Jesus said, all power is given to me to heaven and earth. He gave us the authority to go out. But then what happens a lot of times is, you think about it this way, you have a powerful weapon for defending yourself, and something comes at you, and you take that forty four Magnum and pistol whip that person. Yeah, it's going to hurt them. And you're probably going to make them really mad, but you're not using it to the full capacity of yes. his power. There are still rules of engagement. There are there laws. You yeah. Do you actually have a permit to carry that thing? Do Correct. you Is it an appropriate way to use it? Do you know how to use Do it? Do you know how to use it? Right. Because here, here's, the, here's the scriptural context of that. Luke chapter 10. When Jesus, he ends up sending these guys out to to do all this stuff, and when mm-hmm. they come back, there's this mission debrief going on. We've already read Luke 9, 1, where he gives them the power and the authority. Well, when they're coming back from this mission, they go out on Luke 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. This ain't about the fact that you've got some sort of power, some sort of super authority to go out and right. do things, which is where we have a lot of people go 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 bad on this. Right. They want to exercise authority in their name. Yes. But see, he says right here, Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And here's the point I want to make to the point you're making. Our walk with Jesus is a top priority in this thing of having authority and power. You you don't just have authority and power because you name it and claim it. Right. Your daily walk with Jesus is where you access this and will determine the degree to which you are able to do spiritual combat. And I, I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 6 as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we can be guilty of if we're not careful when it comes to the armor of God, Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. So we forget all about the loins girt about with truth. Uh, we forget all about the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the pres- prep- uh, preparation of the gospel of peace. A lot of times what we do we take that shield of faith, yep, the sword of the Spirit, which we don't even know how to use. We, we're just going to take verse out of, of context. We're going to cherry pick what we like about this, 
this sword. We're not even using it to its full capacity. And we run and charge the enemy. And something, Overtrek, you, you were saying earlier that's sticking with me is that spiritual warfare is the battle of the mind. And we forget to put on the helmet of salvation. And we go running out there with that, that sword and shield because protecting yourself from the fiery darts of the enemy is, sounds pretty cool. But eventually, the enemy's going to catch on and realize you don't have no other armor on. You're not qualified to even use this armor. And the next thing you know, there's the mental warfare, and there's all these other things going on as well. Reading Sun Tzu again, okay? Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. And that's what you just described. Don't tell me Sun Tzu didn't know something. Yeah, exactly. there's a lot of spiritual. There's a lot of application of spiritual warfare in his writing, and um, and that's what you just described is people that just want to grab their Bible, you know, and claim their faith and run out the door and you know I'm going to do battle with the devil today, and then they drag themselves home defeated, discouraged, overcome with they lost to temptation. They're overwhelmed by the accusations, and we we've missed something very important, and that is. Authority is conferred, power is innate. In me, I have no power. In Christ alone is the power, and he must confer that upon me and my walk with him every day. Humility and and just keeping myself close to him, holiness, all these things matter if you're really going to have the power of God on your life to do battle. You see both sides of that coin, you know, because in Luke 10... You have them rejoicing that man. Even the even the spirits are subject unto us. Then back in Luke nine, or excuse me, back in uh, Mark nine, rather, you have the account where you know the man in the multitude says, "Hey, I, I've got my demoniac son. You know, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. Jesus cast him out, and the disciples come back and say, "Why? Why couldn't we do this? Why?" Verse twenty or verse twenty eight. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. Why cannot we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And it's it's what you all have been talking about. It's that constant walk. It's that constant abiding. It is that 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 diving in and understanding, I've got to have something far more than me. And it's got to be more than cliches, than token verses, but it has to be a genuine abiding walk. I want to keep trying to bring this back to a way in which listeners can make daily application to their life. Because, again, I think when we start talking about some of this, doing battle with the devil and spiritual warfare, maybe we get in our minds something we saw on TV or something we read in the book, and, you know, it's like uh, here comes this demon-possessed man, and he, you know, but there's just this influence of evil that is around us all the time, and it is in your daily life. It encounters you. You know, again, your your own daughter may stand up to you one day and rebuke you and call you out and your 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 wife hey you you may all of a sudden find yourself impatient and overcome with an evil spirit and speaking and not only do you take the sword of the spirit and all these things against the devil and others you got to take it against the devil in you and that evil in you right. so let me make another application mark chapter 3 and verse 15, well, again, in verse 14 says that he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. 
you read that, you say, okay, well, that ain't the realm I'm working in right there. I mean, you know, I'm all about praying for people, but, you know, healing sickness. I am not talking about the name it, claim it, heal it, shake it, knock it in the forehead. It's going to be okay stuff here. The typical faith healers. Yeah, let's talk about something very real where this applies in our life. Jesus is talking, so he already he teaches with authority, he commands with authority, but here we see healing with authority. Jesus gives them the power and the authority to heal sickness. Now, what I like about this word, this word heal or healing uh, in verse 15, it's the word therapeu. Now, it's not hard to figure out an English word that's equivalent. Therapy, or as Barney Fife would say, it's therapeutic. But it's therapy. This is what it means. It means to secure, to restore. Now, we, we think about healing the sick, but when you think about f- there's physical malady, there's mental weakness and strain, and there's emotional uh, o- being overcome, there's all kind of things that hurt us and hurt people we love and we encounter people that are hurting. The authority and the power that Jesus gives us in this thing of spiritual warfare is to walk into a person's life. When we're walking with Jesus, we're in his authority, is to walk into that life with the sword of the Spirit because we're wearing the helmet of salvation. We're, we've got the belt of truth. We've got all that stuff. And we can go into somebody's life and we can bring therapy to them by the words we speak, by the the, the heart we convey. But you can bring that kind of spiritual combat into the life of another person to bring healing to them, to cast out the devil in their life. It's just speaking blessing into somebody's life. When you're walking with Jesus, you're ready to do battle. And the self-awareness has a lot to do with that too. And as David says, you know, search me, O God, and making sure your heart is right with him. Because the first thing I think about is the sons of Sceva and how they were out there and the demons looked at them and said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? Yes. And a lot of times we like to think of them as like a bunch of just quacks, just a bunch of people that are just, oh, they're, they're, they have no idea what they're doing. Name it, you, claim it, crowd. Yeah, they're, they're just, that's that crazy bunch you see on TV. But what if you looked at it from a different perspective as the average, everyday, Sunday morning, church-going Christian who has not submitted themselves to God. They're trying to resist the devil to make him flee and exercise that authority, Mm -hmm. but they're not in fellowship with Jesus Christ. So the demon just kind of scoffs at him and like, who are you? Yeah. You know, you're going to tell me in the name of Jesus Christ and you're out of fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely important, that self-awareness and realizing this is conditional. In order to have that and be able to speak those words, we have to have our heart right with Christ and have that unity and that fellowship. Yes. Let's talk about the ways we use our authority then. I mean, we've already been identifying them, but kind of maybe where does this come into play? By the way, this is important, I think, an important part of the word study. This exousia, the word authority, um, we, it means the, uh, the kingdom authority. It means the legal right. But it is also a word which means liberty. And let me read a passage of Scripture. I kind of started to move on to something, but this is worth pointing out. Um, 
this will free you up sometimes. And this is a form in which, remember we talked about how the enemy brings condemnation or uh, accusation in our life. Understanding the liberty we have in Jesus, which comes with that kingdom authority, is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me just read some verses here and listen to how this is used. 1 Corinthians 9, 3. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? That's the word exousia, authority, liberty. Do I not have the freedom to eat and drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working? But do you see the application there? The liberty, Paul is talking about the liberty he has. Our authority in Jesus is liberty that we have to exercise our life as we feel led of the Lord. And when you think about how the enemy brings accusation against you, condemnation, or you're doing something and, and a brother says, you know, well, I just think that that's terrible. You ought to do, you did, you did, you, you should do, and, and you start thinking, well, man, I guess I'm a horrible Christian. No. If you're exercising your authority in Jesus and you're living in the liberty that you have in Christ, now there's another verse that says use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. And by the way, do you know that's the same word, exousia? Don't use your authority as an occasion to the flesh. I didn't give you this power to serve yourself. Right. It's not diplomatic immunity where you can just go and flippantly do whatever you want to do under the, hey, you can't touch me, I, I got diplomatic immunity. <laughs> The old MC Hammer law. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Can't touch this. <laughs> it's like a cheat code in a video game. We can just say anything we want, do anything we want. We're good. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I, I guess, a pop culture reference to this, other than MC Hammer, would be in the Star Wars movies. And, and while most people don't like the episode one, two, and three, if you go back and you see how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, it was this very thing. We've been given authority, and we've been given some understanding, but then we yield ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness, or yep. we try to take our liberty and use it for our own self, and you're acting just like old whiny baby Anakin turning right. into Dark Helmet. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> story. Wrong movie. <laughs> nice resolve. All right, anyway. <laughs> we also don't understand what we're leaving ourselves open to when we do that. Because by default, if we're not yielding to the Holy Spirit, we're submitting to our flesh. But by submitting to our flesh, we're leaving ourselves wide open for demonic attack. Yes. I mean, just for example, think about arguing with your spouse, letting the sun go down upon your wrath. Think about what that does to your family you might as well just go unlock your door. I mean, don't do that, obviously, but pretty much that's what you're doing. Your spiritual door, you're just unlocking it and saying, all right, you know, mm -hmm. y'all want to come in tonight. Come on in. We're, you know, we're angry at each other. We're mad. There's envy. There's strife in my own home. And before you know it, that's when that demonic oppression will seep in. And you have a Christian, a child of God, who's got all this hate and anger and rage built up. So that's extremely important. You know, the, the whole Anakin reference is because it was a period of time, and eventually he turned into, as you said, <laughs> dark helmet. But, <laughs> but still, that's what happens to us, right? We leave that door open, mm -hmm. and we, we don't realize how serious this is.
how soon and how quick all that demonic power can come and take over. And again, we're not talking about head spinning and people floating in the middle of your living room because you went to bed mad at your wife or something <laughs> like that. Like that's that's not that's not the demonic activity that we're always talking about. And to the point that that we've made a couple of times already, until we have a, a better awareness of what genuine spiritual warfare is, what these uh, demonic attacks. The, the main thing is, the main thing that Satan is trying to get us to do is he just wants to get our eyes off of God. Get us away from the love of God. Right. If he can direct our focus onto anything else, it doesn't have to be occultic practices or anything like anything like that. If he can just get us to take our eyes off of the Lord and put it on anything else, then it's a victory to him. That's the spiritual warfare. And to what you were saying, going to... Going to bed, uh, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, uh, harboring these frustrations. Now your eyes are being directed onto the annoyance of someone else or under the problem here. And that's that attack. That's why you keep getting reminded of everything they've ever done that's aggravated over the last 15 yeah. years. That's the oppression. I think it was John Eldridge said at one time he was in traffic with his wife. And he said they were going somewhere and... They were having a great time, and all of a sudden, his wife said something, and he was like, you know what? If I'd have had the divorce papers, I'd have signed them right then and there. <laughs> and and just kind of piggybacking on what you just said, you know, letting the sun go down on our wrath, watching a bunch of junk, opening the door for something, dabbing around in, a, in, in, in things we shouldn't. But you said that thing about the head spinning and all that. Think about how strong Christians would be if a demon literally took somebody and threw them across the room. Think about yeah. our prayer life. You know, if somebody all of a sudden, you know, felt a supernatural force pick them up and whatever, our prayer life would be outstanding. But demons don't work that way. Instead, they lie to us. They use this world and the uh, influence they have on this world. And that's why you have so many Christians who have one foot in the church in one foot in the world, and they're dabbing around, and they, they're, they're messing with all this stuff, and they don't see anything wrong with it. And when they get called out, they're like, oh, you're just one of those legalists. You know, you just called me out for, you know, watching uh, a, a— Leave it to Beaver. Right. I, I was going to say, like— <laughs> Gee, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, Wally, I never thought of it like WWF. that WWF. Right, yeah. That, that hadn't been around for a while, but watching something that has, like, demonic, you know, witches, warlocks, or anything like that, listening to music that has nasty lyrics in there, watching movies with a bunch of just hateful and just— and they're like, oh, it, you're just one of those legalists. Where you're, you're one of those— you're one of those old, you know, fuddy-duddy types, and you just don't... But what they don't understand is they're dabbing around in the world, and they're leaving themselves open for this demonic oppression, and they're being attacked by this, and they don't even realize it. So the, the authority has application in our ability to bring healing and restoration. It has application in the liberty that we can live in, and I think we've really... Uh, driven home the point that our own pride, our, the self, gets in the way of that exercising real liberty, so we, we're watching out for that. Another way that our, our authority can be used as Christians is in the realm of edification. Mm. 
2 mm. Corinthians chapter 10. Here the Apostle Paul uses some language we all think of when we talk about spiritual warfare. For though we walk in the flesh, this is verse 3, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I do want to tackle that passage at some point in the series because that whole the battlefield is in the mind that's a key text right there. But now I keep reading. Uh, verse 6, And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. And look at this verse. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. There's a key thought right there. The authority, he said, which the Lord hath given us for edification. Why did Jesus empower the disciples? It was so that they could go out and they could heal and they could cast out demons. They could set people free. They could bring the truth. In essence, so they could be Jesus in other people's lives. And what Paul says right here, the authority I've been given is not for me to bring destruction to you. It's not to bring condemnation to you. It's not to be the voice of the enemy in your life. What I've been given is to be the voice of Jesus in your life, to edify you. Another way to say that would be to bless you. So I just want to make this real-time application, and we've already alluded to it, but men, there are going to be people in your day that may aggravate you. Jesus said, what about your enemies? Bless them. Bless them, Bless them that curse you. Yep. You think about, again, your teenagers. They are going to look at you sometimes with this sense of despising you, and, and they don't trust you, and they don't like you. But you will not win them by destroying them, by exercising your authority in a way that says, You will do. You shall not pass. <laughs> but you will win them by blessing them. Now, blessing doesn't mean, well, it's okay, right. I understand. Blessing them means to bring truth with love into their life. That's what you're doing. So uh, using our authority in edification, on the job, at the church, you encounter the person that needs a word of encouragement. Uh, the first thing I thought about was discipleship. The root word of discipleship is not defense, it's discipline. Mm -hmm. And so many times we have an individual who needs discipline. And instead of taking an opportunity, and I hate to sound like a politically correct type of individual, but when you have an issue, you can say, oh, there's an opportunity. But really, that's what it is. You have an individual in your life who needs that edification, who needs that encouragement, and they're opposing you and they're causing you to stumble Instead of getting defensive and using that as something to hold on and gossip to and vent about for the next 25 years, take that and say, you know what, this is an opportunity to, to disciple. Let's sit down and talk about this. Let's, let me use scripture because I have these words of authority. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm, I'm feeling close to him. And let me show you where you are erring according to the word of God. But it's not a, it's not a gotcha moment. It's not because that's what accountability has become in our culture. Accountability is a, uh, gotcha, you're wrong and I'm right. You didn't do it right. <laughs> that's what accountability's become. Let me post, yep. tweet. 
Yep, let me let everybody know. Just want to let everybody know. I saw <laughs> so and so do something wrong, and I, I said something I, about I, it. I just, I, I don't, I don't want to cause trouble. I, I, I don't want to gossip. I but just, I, ha- I but. heard, I heard. I love brother so and so. I love them. I love them. Bless but, their heart. But <laughs> so, oh God, deliver us from these things. Correct. And so, just that discipleship, just realizing. And swallowing your pride, asking, taking a deep breath and saying, you know what, before I go on the defense, before I take this personal, let me just see this as an opportunity to edify and encourage. Could that be the very definition of a soft answer, turneth away wrath? That opportunity that we have, that, that's what edifies. I mean, somebody, because most of the time when we react uh, cantankerously to someone, when we reflect on it later, we can see, you know what, I was probably a provoker there. I probably, but when we encounter someone that reacts with that soft answer, it it now takes the the steam out of my attack because I'm like, man, how am I going to stay mad at this guy? Look at how he just reacted, which then edifies me because it causes me to self-examine the ways that I would. And when we have that opportunity to do the same, you know, the same thing to someone, we can edify them with the authority because we don't have to get bent out of shape. We don't have to take it personally. We can just expect, hey, this is a hurting person, hurting people, hurt people. And I know I've got the strength that I can say, hey, I just want to speak a blessing to you. And that, in turn, is combating that inner turmoil, inner warfare that they're going under, and I can be used as a source to help. Yeah, what we're describing is the real day-to-day combat that, that each of us who are, who are striving to live for look for the Lord and live in and with the Lord. This is the stuff we're encountering. To go back and 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 borrow from your statements, this isn't somebody's head spinning around. Where does that even come from? Uh, this isn't levitation. This isn't uh, somebody is uh, walking through the wall with fiery eyes and you know. This is the real combat we're encountering every day. I want to make a point though before I move on with that that. I, I know from talking to missionaries and people in some of these third world nations that there is a lot of outright demonic activity that is seen. But in our day-to-day world, one of you made the reference earlier, um, but it just goes back to the fact that we are so overcome with our luxury and our laziness. We are ineffective, and, and Satan doesn't get us with all of that. He comes to us with this this form of combat in which we've been describing that animosity, that mistrust. You know, the person in your life that that sort of when they come around, you're like, oh no, here they come, and they've got this sort of presence about them, and we have a choice to make in that moment. We either enter into the same way everybody else treats them and respond at the way they're used to being responded to, or we go to war for them. And we try to use what you said, Napoleon. We try to use our ability to disciple and edify to help them. It, it, see, combat is going to work one of two ways. I guess there could be three ways. Number one, you can just get run over by the enemy. I think if we're anywhere near where we should be with the Lord, we're not going to be in the place of just getting run over by the enemy all the time. But I think the other two options is combat's either this back-and-forth thing. I gain a little ground, I lose a little ground. I gain a little ground, I lose a little ground. Or, or... I'm advancing because I have the high ground or I have the supreme force. 
Don't yep. do it, Anakin. I've got the high ground. <laughs> yep. Yes, there we go. Goodness. Yeah. You know, it's uh, <laughs> we don't realize how we disarm and disable ourselves when we actually do have the overwhelming force. If we would just trust the Lord, uh, you know, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we try to do battle ourselves, and we get in a lot of trouble. So when you get encountered today, when you see the the evil spirit influencing somebody and they're speaking in your life against you or they're bringing animosity towards you or you the door's been flung open for all that evil influence mm-hmm. to come and you've got to do some combat you can you, you can fight it in your own power weapons of our warfare not carnal or you can do it in the power of god but mighty through god uh that that's the authority that we've been given it's like it's like being a punt returner in the nfl there's only a, a few things that can go right but a whole lot of things <laughs> that can go wrong I was thinking more in the terms of the boxing world. You know, uh-huh. I was thinking of if if I put you and ET in the ring together, it would be kind of maybe some back and forth, back and forth. But if hey, I put buddy. either if I put either one of you in the ring with Mike Tyson, it would be an it would be an overwhelming advancement on his part. <laughs> against you would you. see you would see the real life Mike Ty- Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> yes, you would. I don't know if my illustration made sense. I like my Chris Collinsworth punt returner NFL illustration so much better. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. (laughs) But that's a very serious, that's an extremely serious job. Yes, it is. And, you know, I'm laughing on the outside. I feel like like I've lost you. I'm not even going to try to explain (laughs) it. The only issue is you can always just wave your hand for a fair catch and they can't hit you. But that's what I mean. There's only a few things that can go right. You can either catch the ball and gain some yardage. You can call for a fair catch. But think of all the things. Return for a TD. Yeah. Think of all the things that can go wrong. They do this, and then they look up, and they've lost the ball. The next thing you know, you know, it's whacking them in the face back this way. It's, See, I'm telling can, you, we can go a lot of ways with that. You're right on. This distractions and yeah. the fear of that 300 pound dude coming right at you. I shouldn't have quoted Chris Collinsworth. I should have done more of a John Madden. You know, if if you kick the ball and you get three points, <laughs> if you get a touchdown, you score six points. If you get more well touchdowns said. and field goals, you're, you're going to win. win. <laughs> If you if the game's over and you got more points, you're the winner. You mentioned Adrian Rogers in the last episode. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he has a great book that I would like to recommend to our men that are listening called The Incredible Power of Kingdom Authority, Getting an Upper Hand on the Underworld. This is a great and comprehensive book, and he preaches an entire series on this too, which you can find. But And uh, so I, I recommend that one. It's a great book on, on the subject we've been talking about, a kingdom authority, but on the general subject overall of spiritual warfare. Uh, you mentioned Eldridge earlier. He has another great book, probably the next, uh, right after Wild at Heart, the, the second book I read of John Eldridge was this little book called Epic, The Story God is Telling. And this is a great just overall give you a sense of the, the reality of spiritual warfare in the world and how it can even apply to your life. So that would be it. It's a short book, 100 pages. You can read it in one setting if you wanted to. So there's a couple of resources that we would like to offer today. So we better get off the air. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, this is Mike Overtrek Barnett saying, hey, go take a walk on the wild side. This is Dr. Dean Roland Napoleon, and you are welcome. And this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying thanks for joining us. See you next week. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled by burning desire. 
In the heart of a champion